Father, we just thank you for this evening and just the ability to come back and focus on you, Jesus. And as we focus on you, as I can our time today, we focus on the Father in which you fully reveal to us. And so, Lord, I pray that, that tonight, your spirit, as we open up your word, we learn a little bit more as to who you are, how much you love us, and how do we have this thriving, intimate relationship that changes our lives with you every day. I pray right now for uh, Emily, who just cut her stuff out for fingers, and um, just pray that um, that bleeding will stop um, and it will heal quickly. And just Chad, thank you for Chad being there with her, um, and thank you for bringing Jim tonight. Um, so, Lord, um, we're going to open your word and see what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, Jim, you want to say anything about your just hi, and then we'll go around and let everybody introduce themselves. Hi, everybody just, um, we've been going to downtown, um, been here a few years. Uh, I met Steve. I used to work with him. I still work at the same place where we met, and... Uh, I work weekends and holidays, so it's really important to me to try to have fellowship. I got the night off uh, Monday and Wednesday and sometimes Tuesdays, and it looks like I'm going to have this night off long term, so I've been looking for fellowship. Really, not being able to go to church on on Sunday has been very frustrating, and I'm looking forward to sharing the Word and praying and getting to know some people. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, glad you're here. Daniel. Hey, Daniel. All right, well, let's go around. I love it. Thank you. I I could say I could ask you guys, like, how long have you been here? But I don't know if any of us, we've all been, I don't know, for different times. But why don't we just introduce ourselves and just go around so Jim can sort of at least, not that I expect you to memorize any of the names. So I'm still working on it. Go ahead, Gil. Gil. (laughs) <laughs> he reminded me of what it was. Yeah. I'm Dan. Right. I'm David. Daniel. Jim. It's Andrew. Andrew. Ken. Bruce. Dale. Steve. Jason. Glenn. Tom. And Greg. It's a good right. idea we should do that every time. Yeah. yeah. Just take it down. It pertains to right. tonight. Yeah. 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 Give me like two minutes. Give you how much? Two minutes. Two minutes. To read a story. Is it better to do it now? Probably. Yeah, it's good to do it Go for it. Uh, my sister took me to a concert at um, South Shores, and it's, this is the program, and Pastor Ty read this story in the middle of it, and it was maybe the most beautiful story I ever heard, so I wanted to share it with you guys. From a writer, that's page. a compliment. Uh, well, the writer took the story and edited it. Oh. <laughs> so I, I, I just felt it could use... A little. So let me read this to you. And it applies to what we're studying, as you can see. Jill, don't go. <laughs> what are you doing, Jill? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, can call, you can call me back. I'll call you back. In New Orleans. In New Orleans. In New Orleans. In the she should know better. It's a $40,000 commission client. Right? All right, sorry. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. In New Orleans in the mid-1800s, 
A wealthy merchant, a widower, and his son were known for their rare collection of old master paintings. They had a Michelangelo and a Raphael and more. Often after dinner, they would sit together and admire them. When the Civil War broke out, the son went away to fight. She was very courageous and died in battle in the Shenandoah Valley while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply. A few months later, a young man came to the door with a large package. The father answered the bell himself. Sir, you don't know me, the young man said. I am a soldier. Your son died to save. Hmm. Come in. Please come in. Good Lord. Tell me all, said the father. They retired to the sitting room. Your son saved many lives that day, the soldier began. He was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart. He died instantly. The young man offered his package. This isn't much, sir, but your son often talked about you and your love for art. I'm a poor artist myself, but I think he would have wanted you to have it. The father tore off the brown paper to find a portrait of his son. He stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured the strong character in his eyes. His own welled up with tears. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture. Oh, no, sir, I could never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift. And so the father took the portrait and hung it over his fireplace. When visitors came, he always took them to see the portrait of his son before he showed them his great masterpieces. In time, the man died, and a great auction of his paintings was held in his mansion. Wealthy collectors and museum curators came from New York and Boston, excited and prepared to bid extravagantly on the rare old masters. On the platform was an easel with the painting of his son. The auctioneer rapped his gavel. We will begin with the portrait of the patron's young son. What am I bid? There was a long silence. He tried again. Who will start the bidding? Some gentleman called out, We're not here for the amateur work. Skip this one and proceed to the fine art. But the auctioneer persisted. Do I hear $200? 100 Another voice shouted angrily, We didn't come all this way to dwell on this painting. We came for the beer mirror and the two Rembrandts. Get on with it. The auctioneer sighed. Please, who will take the sun? A soft voice came from the back of the room. I'll bid ten dollars, sir. Can't bid more. That's all I got. It was a black man, a longtime servant of the deceased. The auctioneer smiled. I have ten dollars. Who will bid me twenty? The frustrated crowd was now angry. One yelled, give him, give it to him for ten and move on. Clearly, no one of reputation wanted the picture of the sun. Going once, twice, the auctioneer banged his gavel. Sold to the man in the back for ten dollars. The portrait was carried away. No other painting appeared. The auctioneer <laughs> remained silent. The man in the front row shouted, well, get on with it. The auctioneer rested his elbows on his lectern. I'm sorry, but the auction is over. The entitled crowd erupted. The auctioneer calmed them and explained. When I was summoned to conduct this auction, the family lawyer showed me the will and the secret stipulation therein. I was not permitted to reveal that stipulation until this moment. Only the painting of the sun will be auctioned. Stunned silence was followed by pandemonium. What? cried Minnie. This is an outrage. The auctioneer wasn't finished. 
with the further stipulation that whomever came forth for the likeness of his son would receive the mansion, the assets and the estate, and the entire collection of old master paintings. The man in the back who took the son gets everything. Bravo. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice of the story. Thanks for sharing, yeah. <clears throat> And then I, there's two scriptures that I that applied that we all know. One from John. He who has the Son has life. He who <clears throat> does not have the Son of God does not have life. And from Matthew, seek ye first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That was well read. Yeah, it was. You need to get a job with Audible. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in chapter 15, right? We're in chapter 15. And before we open chapter 15, get his books published, which we're going to do in just a second. Um, so I thought I, in the next few weeks, as we're going through, we're going through 14 through 16. And if you remember, we started in 14 where it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. And in 16.33... Um, Jesus says, my peace will come upon you, um, and your and your heart will be not troubled, but I'm going to give you my peace. And it's in between 14 and 16 that Jesus shows us what that looks like. How does that happen that we move from our hearts being troubled to this peace? One of the things that he's going to do is reveal in 14 through 16... Things about the Holy Spirit that are not mentioned really anywhere else in the, in the in Scripture. Um, and uh, one of the things that has happened, um, I would say, throughout Christian history, and particularly even since the Reformation, is that we have, we as a church, have sort of divided ourselves into um, one camp where the Spirit's pretty much dead, and we just pick up this, and we go just... Read it, believe it, right? Um, but there's not spirit, any spirit with that. The other side of that is sort of the very sort of the extreme charismatic Pentecostal side, which all about the gifts of the spirit and how are you expressing those gifts and which gifts do you have and you better make sure you better be doing this and this and this so you don't really have the spirit, etc. Um, what happened in the Reformation was... One of the things that happened that often doesn't get noticed is that we usually think that what happened in the Reformation was that Calvin and Luther came in and said, Soul of Scripture, which they did, saying, go respond to the Catholic Church. It's not a bunch of tradition, but that this is our authority, is the Word of God. But what happens, what, what they... What Calvin said and Luther said, which really has sort of gotten lost in the last couple hundred years, is this role of the Spirit and how that Spirit is to work with the Word of God. Um, and it's really re-emphasizing what John 14 through 16 brings about out about the Spirit that we're going to be seen as we're going through. So when I say to you, and we all like open up this word, which we're going to do in a minute, and we read it like we do here in the men's study, it's pretty straightforward. We just, Jim, we open up the word and we read it and we see what God does, see what the Spirit does. Um, is that there is an interplay going on there between the word of God that's objective and external to us and the Spirit that lives in us. 
And both of those things inseparably work together to give us a personal relationship with Christ. We cannot have one without the other. And I want to just read some quotes, uh, one just today. Um, it actually picks up right <laughs> It's beautiful, I mean, with Tom just that story, because it sort of picks up his story a little bit. So what is the function, Ken, I would just have, what's the function of the Holy Spirit? And uh, um, this is one aspect, talking about where Calvin and Luther and those people, what they saw with that. This sort of got lost in the last couple hundred years, but I'm just going to read it to you. It says, um, the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is another than Christ. So you think of the Trinity, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, but they are one. Where is this Luther written? No, this is, a, but it's going, to re, it's going to talk about, I can read Calvin in a minute, but it talks about I'm just curious who wrote that. So who's going to read what I'm going to read right now is a theologian called Henry, who wrote about the Holy Spirit from the Reform, from what Calvin and Luther and everything, um, how they talked about it. Okay. So, um, I forget what I was saying before that. Um, let me just read it, because I wasn't saying it. So the Spirit, and this really is, takes out what we're seeing about the Spirit here in John 14 through 16. It says, the Spirit is another than Christ, yet the presence of the Spirit is not other than the presence of Christ. So you see this dance of the Holy Spirit here and the Trinity working together. So the Spirit is not Christ, but the function of the Spirit is to make Christ present to us and real to us today. Okay, And it says, so he quotes John 14, 16 there. He says, for it is precisely the function of the Spirit to represent Christ, and it is the living Christ himself who is present in the Spirit. So you can see the function of the Spirit. The Spirit never calls attention to itself. The Spirit's always saying, I'm here to put my, have you put your attention on Christ and to be in that relationship with Christ. And so he goes on, he says, there is no such thing as an experience of the presence of the Spirit distinct from the presence of Christ. I love that. If you are thinking you're having... Say that again. There is no such thing as an experience of the presence of the Spirit distinct from the presence of Christ. It's one way if you say, well, how do I know it's the Spirit talking to me? Well, if the Spirit is focusing on Christ in you and putting your focus on Christ, that's one really good way you know, as opposed to the Spirit's telling me all these things about how I feel inside myself. The Spirit is, you know, wants me to, you know, Scream and yell or whatever it is. That the function of the Spirit is to put our focus on Christ. The original intention of the Reformer's doctrine, which is Luther, Calvin, etc., of the testimony of the Spirit is to affirm that the Christian faith means nothing less than the personal presence of the living Christ and that it is the function of Scripture, so it's a function of Scripture, to serve as a means to that end. Thus, it is through the reading and hearing of Scripture in liturgy, in sermons, in Bible studies, in evangelism, and so on, that the Spirit bears witness to Christ and His Gospel, and thus mediates His presence and Lordship to the Church and through the Church to the world. 
So one of the things that Calvin emphasized that we often forget, that I will quote Calvin now, he says, For as God alone is a fit witness to himself in his word, so also this word will not find acceptance in men's hearts before it is sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. The same Spirit, therefore, who has spoken through the mouths of the prophets that wrote this, must penetrate into our hearts to persuade us that they faithfully proclaim what has been divinely commanded. So as we hear and open up this word again today, it's just a reminder that listen for the Spirit <laughs> in you to make Christ, these words that we're going to read, real to you. And so when I say, what are you hearing God say to you as we read this, I mean exactly that. Learn to sort of listen to that spirit inside of you, telling you about Jesus, okay? and assuring us that we have that relationship with Jesus. That's one of the primary things of the spirit, is to give us that assurance that Christ is real, and we have that relationship with him, and are saved by him. So, so if you have somebody that you know that won't, doesn't want scripture, uh-huh. Then the Holy Spirit is in that person. I'm, going to, I'm not going to judge whether the Holy Spirit's in them. Uh-huh. The, the, the function of the Spirit is, and it was seen in this of John, the function of the Spirit is primarily to put our focus on Christ and what he has told us, which is all of this. Both go together. They're inseparable. And yet we tend to separate them all the time. And that's what causes a lot of... <laughs> stuff. <laughs> what well, only makes sense to me is what we were talked about earlier when we were talking about chapter 14, especially in the end of 13, where um, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's actually, um, if, if the whole, if he's talking to the Holy, to his disciples and he's saying, you know, I want you to come to, come to my room, come to my father's room. But now that Jesus is gone, and Greg pointed this out to me, and I, I love this about what you told me, is that Jesus isn't here, I mean, to tell us right now to come to this room, but the Holy Spirit is. Am I saying that? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is. But the one thing I want to say about that, so uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll say a prayer um, and say it to Jesus, and I know that the Holy Spirit is, is, is bringing me to Jesus. But if I hear that somebody needs a prayer and I open it up with Heavenly Father, is that still the Holy Spirit that brought me to that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're in Heavenly Father's... How did Jesus tell us to pray? We're following Jesus. He said, Our Father, <laughs> who art in Heaven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, let's turn to John 15. So, which is page... Yeah. Like time for one more quick question. Uh-huh. I don't want to confound this, <laughs> and, I, and I don't want anybody to take this wrongly, because um, I, in my mind, my heart, my soul, it's all one and the same, mm-hmm. the Trinity. It's interesting though that we're making this distinction so apparent, and to me, it begs the question. What came first, and where did the Spirit come from? And did the Spirit ever take a body? Was it ever in a manifestation of a body on this planet Earth 
or any other planet for that matter. Mm -hmm. And so, what was the first question? Where did it come from? Was it did it was it first the spirit, the spirit, the Father and the Son? Right. Have always been one, one. Been together. They are not created. Right. They are the ones who created. Right. In fact, I think as we said last week or the week before, um, Genesis one. All right. The very beginning of Genesis one. Who is there at creation? God. Spirit. Oh, the spirit. spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so in verse one, they're right. hovering over and the, the water. Spirit of God was hovering over the yeah, waters. Is that verse yeah. two or verse one? It's verse one. Yeah. yeah. The very first verse is yes. Spirit was there. Tells us the spirit was there. But verse so, two, and so. then God said and God spoke, right? And then he talks about us later on. But did the spirit come first or did God come first? There is no, there is, the answer is, it's hard that to, God and the spirit are one. Human terms. What's interesting yeah. is that, is the, is the, there is a, according to Christ, there's a hierarchy. There's somewhat of a hierarchy, right? The Father is greater than I. Right. right, and then the spirit knows things that I don't know, uh, right? But there's limitations to each of them, right? And when you read through the scripture, right, nobody can see the Father. Moses was the closest one, yet a bunch of guys stood face to face and spoke with and walked with the Lord. And when Jesus referenced, "Hey, I knew Abraham," right? Moses knew who I was. All these guys knew me, man. They were excited yeah, to see me come. David. Right? Yeah. Isaiah. They all were in front of who? Jesus. Right? Because you can see Jesus. Right? So there's no really such thing as the question you're asking. Right. It's a great question because well, what it does is it brings out the fact that the answer is... They're all one. They've always existed together. They've always been together. They tend to, you tend to see them have different functions at different times, okay? But they're all together, all the time. Is the spirit a projection of God? Is it him projecting himself? It's not, no. Because when you're saying God, (laughs) um, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right. Okay. Sometimes when the scriptures use the word God, sometimes they will mean the Father. Okay, sometimes we meet all three. Right. Alright, but it's, it's, they are one. They are distinct persons, but one. And we, as Jeff said in sermons lately, it's like, we can never create a metaphor that really captures this. We can, you know, people have talked about different ways of trying to picture this. You can't fully, it's a mystery. Right. But we're seeing, what I love is in John 14 through 16. Mm-hmm. And you are seeing the beauty of all three of these working together. Mm-hmm. So you hear Jesus say, I'm focusing on the Father, okay? And I'm here t- to show you really what right. who the Father is, because as he said, you can't see him. But then Jesus says, I'm going away. I'm really as Ken another. just said, this yeah. is super, really important, like super important. If Jesus did not go away, we could not be here today. Right. And say the Spirit lives in us. Because how could Jesus possibly, he came at the perfect time in history. How could we possibly all have a personal relationship with Jesus if he wasn't in front of us? So the Spirit, he, Jesus literally says, I'm going away, I have to. Because I'm going to bring my Spirit. No. And my Spirit is not going to be in a body like Jesus. Right. My Spirit, as it says in John 14, is going to be 
in you. So the spirit's not just a conduit. It is actually its, its own. It's a person. It's its own person. It's fully yeah. a person. In fact, in John that we're yeah. looking at right now, it actually yeah. uses the mm-hmm. personal right. pronouns for the spirit. So when I feel the spirit, when I feel the Holy Spirit, I'm very aware that I'm feeling Jesus and God at the same time. Right. Exactly. But that, that is the union. That's right. And one without the other is basically right. nil. You got it. You yeah. got it. What, in, in, in prayer, right? When you, when I, I'll speak to the, the Father. You speak to all, but you know. Right. Like, and sometimes, you know, we'll be, a, I mean, yeah, but also Jesus, and you too, Spirit, and, and, you know, but He says over and over again, this Father and I are, are, are one. Right. Right? And the Spirit and I are one, and what He wants for us is to be one with all three. And these are, I mean, these are, what you're asking are super critical questions, and these are things like we'll just keep dealing as we're going through 14 through 16, because this is sort of the heart of the Christian faith. Right. This is both what we believe, yeah. but this is also, as we're going to see tonight, <laughs> and we've been seeing, this is not just what we believe, but this is how we actually relate with the living God. This is really reality. Yeah. I, I was just wondering, if, if it's happening to anybody else as we've been studying this, I have noticed the Spirit more and more powerfully, even daily, oh, yeah. uh, in my life. Uh, and the, the, uh, it, it comes like a rushing in my ears, and I, uh, I just kind of expand out and, and know He's there. Um, and the more we talk about it, the more I'm beginning to understand it. Mm-hmm. That when we're when we're standing in the presence of of Christ, we're really standing in the Holy Spirit before Christ. Right, right. The Spirit is what makes that. As I read there, the Spirit represents Christ to us. He makes Him real to us. He is. One of don't ever want to. He is real, living in us today, speaking to us. So. And in that regard, um, once you've, I think, once you've entered the. The presence of of Christ with, through the Holy Spirit um, that will never leave you. Yes. It will. You could. Uh, you could. That will never leave you. That's forever. It's like walking through a door that you um, didn't know was there, and all of a sudden you're in a completely different state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Am, am I am I exaggerating? Yeah. No, that's, no, you're good. That's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we got a lot. Is, of is it possible that, like, my great grandma was 100% Comanche, uh-huh. and she lived on the plains. My she stumbled on my granddad's ranch after the Civil War in 1867, and she became a devout Christian. Mm-hmm. But before that. You know, there was this great spirit. Mm-hmm. Is that possible that the Holy Spirit went out through the land and called people I, to Jesus? I, 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 I'm not going to try to presuppose, hey, I did um, We have one over here. Come on in. But I mean, is, is that one of the jobs I, of the I Lord? can't, I can't tell you, but one of the, the jobs of the Spirit is to draw people to Christ. Okay. okay. That makes sense. So, yeah. And that does well, make sense about what you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. Because she, like, okay. flipped like yeah. that. Right. I have the wife yeah. over here. Here it is, but we're going to read that as we go through here in 16. Yeah. About the Spirit's function. Yes, yes, no, no, no. Yeah. So, cool. 
Good to see you. I'll see you by two today. I know I have to call you and we need to get together. So I, I got tried to call you earlier. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, I, I was. Probably missed see, you're, it. You're from I, I blew my hamstrings off, uh, and I was down on the corner. Uh, I couldn't. I had shoot, to sit there. Well, I can't. It, it, it took me 20, 20 minutes. Twenty minutes to get to here. I would have got that. I'm glad you did. You made it. I made it. Yeah. Um, okay. John 15. All right. We are going to read 15, one through. Well, I'm going to just go to 11 today. Let's just do, we're going to do a short passage, but we're going to spend a lot of time because this is like about as rich as it gets. Um, so, who wants to, and one so, through 11. 1 through 11, didn't John you, 15 with 11. Didn't your email say 11, starting at 11? Mm-hmm. One, 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 one through 11. I hope okay, it did. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. And uh, so, again, we read this, and we just hear. This is Jesus speaking to us. All right. Um, who would like to read? Do you have the ESV? Oh, can you do the ESV? Real quick. Yeah. Rocket flying. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. You guys ready? Yes. <laughs> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. Amen. So sometimes teachers ask the most simplest questions so everybody can get it right. What is the word we keep hearing over and over again? Abide. Abide. Good. Ten times in that. Good abide. Yeah. Um, Do any of you remember as we've gone through John hearing abide before? Yes. Okay. Lots. You do? Yes. Okay, good. Does anybody else remember hearing abide? Jason heard a lot. Yes. Probably is more than the vine, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, John, one of the things John does, we've we've talked about this in here, is there's a whole lot of these things that John's doing. I mean, he's doing a lot of things, just echo things as we go along to get us into our head. He keeps repeating things over and over again. Some of those are obvious. Some of them are not so obvious. 
Um, some, sometimes it's because we have our English versions that will translate the same word in different ways at times. Okay? But one of the big functions of what John's trying to do is to use this word abide to get across who Jesus is and our relationship with him. But what's interesting is not just our relationship with him today, but the relationship that people have with him when he was actually present on earth. All right. So I want us to walk through just about ten scripture very quickly in John to just give you sort of the richness of this word and how it's used because John's trying to get something across <laughs> as we go through here. And you're going to see that the word is actually used in places that you would not think it's being used necessarily. All right? So, if you want to, take a pen because I'll have you, if you want to, and you've got your this or if you need one, um, I'll give you one, um, to underline these different places that this abiding takes place, again, without you necessarily knowing it's there. So grab a pen if you want to. Otherwise, go ahead and just listen. So we're going to start. Anybody want to guess what chapter we might start here in the first abide? What chapter do you guys think? We're going to have the first chapter one. That's a good guess, Daniel. All right, so I want you guys to look. So this is on page 10 if you have this. And it is actually um, John 1. And I'm going to start at 132. Okay, John 1, verse 32. Yes. And so this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It, it says, And John the Baptist bore witness. I saw the Spirit, just like in Genesis, right there at the beginning, okay? I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. That word is abide. Exactly the same word. Yeah, it's exactly the same word as when Jesus says, Abide in me, I in you. This is exactly the same word. So really you could read it, and it abided on Jesus. And then it says, I myself did not know him, but he sent me to baptize with water and said to me, He on whom the Spirit descends and will remain or abide, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So right there you see the connection between the Spirit (laughs) and this abiding. So at the very beginning that launches Jesus' ministry, you have the Spirit come upon Jesus. And as opposed to what happens in the Old Testament, where usually the Spirit comes on for a a purpose, and it, it has, you know, the Spirit will come upon a person in the Old Testament for a function, and then it sort of leaves again. With Jesus, what's amazing is because the Spirit descends on him and remains in him. Remain is another word for abide. It's the same. Remain the same thing. Okay. So we see this right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Then... So the Holy Spirit was within Jesus the whole time. Absolutely. You want to know what empowered Jesus to do what Jesus did? It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. So when he died, it released the Holy Spirit. Yes. And the Spirit now has another function. And... Got it. Just since you asked that question, do you ever wonder how powerful that Spirit is that lives in us? That... Paul tells us in Romans 8... 
that that very spirit was the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power resides in every one of you. That's why Paul can say we can do nothing. We can do everything through Christ Jesus. Yeah, power. Yeah, it's power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so let's just look at another one. So this is um, chapter 2. This is on page 14. This is a, another place that you would just sort of read over to miss it. Um, so this is John 2, 12, page 14. It says, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Anybody want to guess where abide is in that? Stayed. So, so can I ask you a question on um, back on uh, one? Uh, oh, in fact, actually, I should have gone back. I missed one. Thirty-eight. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. You're right. I missed that. Thirty-nine. So, actually, back on page ten, which is one thirty-eight and thirty-nine, is the same thing. Thank you, Jason. I totally just missed that. So in 138, it says, Jesus returned and saw them following and said to him, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Which is where are you abiding? He said to them, Come and you will see. So that they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him. So now you see that abide. That's 138. And 39. So you now have the spirit of came unto Jesus, and now we have this language of abide being used when people are physically what? Staying, Staying with Jesus, hanging out with them. <laughs> okay? Alright. So then we went then we go to two twelve. Which is the same word there. After they went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and disciples, they stayed there for a few days. Um, and then you turn to page 20, which is John 3. May, may I add something super quick to that? Mm-hmm. In, in fact, though, in every one of these situations, they weren't, um, they weren't staying with, they were living with. Which is staying, I mean... But they were living... Well, you could say that because they're in the in, residence in, with... Yes. Hanging out with, yeah. Yes. Sleeping with. Yes. Eating with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Alive with. Yeah. Okay. And again, John's doing this on purpose because he's... To the people back then reading this in Greek, they would be seeing all this, okay? How this is used um, throughout John. So then, 336... Page 20, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, this is interesting how this is used. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now you have sort of the use of a negative of abiding, which is what happens when we don't abide in Christ. Hmm. Rare, rare for the New Testament to say that, isn't it? Not really. Mm-mm. No? That's no. kind of the whole point of John. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you just read what you read? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, that's drawing the fire and collecting. Right. Yeah, okay. we're going to see. Yeah, exactly. Right. We're going to pick up on there. So it's really actually not. Yeah, very good. Okay. <laughs> what you read was one of this. Yeah, that's pretty harsh. It's heavy. That's yeah, yeah. straightforward, yeah, black and white. Okay, so now page 32. And this is John 5, 38. So I'll start with 37. It says, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Again, this is sort of a judgment now. These are the Pharisees, the Jews, who were, you know, listening to him and everything, did not believe. Because they were not believing what words he was saying. They were not believing what he was saying. And so Jesus says, you, you don't have me in you. You're not, your words are not abiding in you. Alright, then, just go what, verse will, what verse will you? That was, sorry, that was page 32 on verse 38, oh. which was 538. If I go too fast, you just stop me. I want to sort of just give us. Then we move over to, because this will also give context to everything we just read in John 15. Then we, on page 40, which is John 6, 56, we have another way Jesus uses. Whoever feeds on my, sort of 30, 54, so 54, going to read 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Okay. How, how now you get a lot how, more personal here. What, how do we eat this flesh? Um, yeah, well, the body and that communion. So. Yeah, well, so <laughs> this this is referring. I, I can spend a lot of time on that, which I won't, but. The Catholic, the Catholic faith believes that is what really happens, really, at the time they do the Eucharist. They believe this happens literally. I would argue that what Jesus is talking about here is metaphoric. Okay, he's talking about the, the metaphor of the relationship with them. It's not literal blood that is now that he's talking about here. It's, but it is referring to his little literal blood that he's going to shed on the cross for us. Okay. So, so it, it's in it. He's he's speaking again to the the religious leaders, right? Who knew the Old Testament. So he's referring to is specifically in this case Isaiah sixty five thirteen through fourteen. It, well, there's a number of things, but therefore, thus says the Lord: Behold, my servants shall my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. It's also it, this. It also begins earlier. It's also speaking of of Christ suffering for the sins of mankind, and the, and those sins are precisely what the Pharisees and Sanhedrin are guilty of. And he says, therefore, uh, thus says the Lord: Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink. But you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart. So 
is or he's calling out something they know and he knows they know, right? So at the last supper, like Jesus told him, elaborated on that. He says, yeah. I'm, "This bread I break. This is my body." Just like he said, it's symbol, similar. He right? okay. the wine was his blood. He's pointing to what he did on the cross and how that then appropriates to us. When he's going to that verse that says, you shall still be hungry, which I'm trying to get my head wrapped around that. He's saying that everything is, you'll still be hungry, you'll still be thirsty. That's those who are are not the servants. Okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Then, um, page 62, John 9 which is 941. And again, this is Jesus calling out the Pharisees and this, um, and what, in fact, specifically here. So Jesus says to them, for judgment, starting at verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. See, this is verse 41. So, 941 on page 8. So, this idea of abiding is not just a positive thing, as you can hear. It's also, as if you do not believe, your guilt remains on you. Your judgment remains on you, is what we're seeing here. Okay? Alright. Then, 12, on page 78, 12, 24, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it abides or remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I'll read on from this. What are you talking about? Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Then, just one page after that, on page 80, on 1234, it says, So the crowd answered him, we have heard that the law, and again, these are the Pharisees and the Jews, we have heard that the law, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up, and who is the Son of Man? So here, they're going back and saying, we know this Messiah that's supposed to come is supposed to be with us forever, all right? But you're telling us the Son of Man must be lifted up, which means, which ultimately is talking about must go to the cross. And Jesus is saying, <laughs> they're not understanding the, the function of that there. Um, and then I think we're almost at the end. And then the next page on page 82, um, verse 44 says, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not... Here's our hope. Abide or remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. And it goes on. Right. So you guys sort of get a, you know, well, let's see, I think, do I have one more? Yeah, John 14. 
read one more right before we get to 15, which is with John 14 on page 90. We just went through this a couple weeks ago. Jesus says, if you, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, which we just talked about, the Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for the Spirit. This Here's a function of the Spirit. What's the function of the Spirit? Dwells. You will know the Spirit, for he will uh, dwell, it says, but that word is abide. Mm-hmm. He will abide with us, and he will be in us. Which is exactly what we were just talking about with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, did you guys get an idea of, mm-hmm. so when you get hear all that, any sense of this abiding? Yeah, Eric. It occurs to me that we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And his availability. What we're not spending much time in is, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That what? Oh, I stand at the hunt. We need to open the door. Because he's there, always. Yes. But the whole crux of the matter is, mm-hmm. when we open the door and receive his gift. Yes. That changes everything. So what happens when we open the door and begin to abide, that's when the full fruit of the Holy Spirit becomes alive and living in us because that manifestation is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's not of the world. It's only from God. And it's the world that's trying to suck us away from that abiding. And the world wants us to abide in it and its pleasures and sin and all the rest of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's... He came to have a relationship with us. But the key is, we need to open the door. Amen. You know, I'm going to put you in the pulpit. <laughs> you always have to be very clear. I have an opening for you. <laughs> very well stated. I have a question. Yeah, very well stated, and that's exactly where we're going to go right now oh, in John okay. 15. So you just gave a, a, an outstanding introduction to that. Yes. Is abide a commandment? Excellent. What was the question? So that's I was just. So you, I love when you guys. Are Tom, what did you say? Is abide a, a commandment? commandment. Okay. No, it's a exactly, choice. No, well, hold on. Which goes exactly oh. what you just said. When Jesus says in John 15, abide in me, it is in the imperative of Greek, which is a command. Command. Mm-hmm. You remember you, me talking about that pulpit a couple years ago, right? It's like, yeah. this is, this is, this is a command that we are to to not just follow, but what also that means is that we have a choice. Mm-hmm. That abiding is not just something that happens, and with the Spirit now lives in me, and I just abide in Christ, and I don't have to do anything about it. You are right on. It's I would use two words. It's a discipline and a choice. Yeah. So, we but have this here. It also work. means obedience. Well, obedience yeah. is yeah. how... Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Jesus specifically, you, you chose a metaphor here to get across 
How do we obey this command? What does it mean? All right? He uses a grapevine in which to get across that. So we have a grapevine in front of us. It would look probably very much just like what it looks like to Jesus in those days. And you guys have probably been to a vineyard where you see when this matures, that vine, I mean, it gets, you know, much bigger. All right? But here we have that. I, what I want us to do is try to really visualize what Jesus is trying to do here for us. And the reason why I brought this is because this is one of the best metaphors I think, I personally think Jesus has ever given as far as what it means to have a personal relationship with him. How do we do that? And he's doing that in terms of this. So what I want to challenge us with here is I want us to try to look at what he's saying in John 15 and I want you to look at this mind and I want you to show me As we read John 15, show me this vine of how Jesus is talking about that. Okay? So, what I mean by that. So, in other words, I want you to really, like, look at this. I want you to try to speak in the language of a vine and show me what is Jesus doing. Because he could very well have been, well, he was in the upper room. But when he talks about this, this is a staple among Israel, is, is... is making wine, okay, and having grapes. So this is this metaphor of a vine is like everybody in Jesus' time goes. I get it, and we pretty much do too today. Um, except there's a couple little catches, so we'll see those as we, as we go through. So uh, I got yes. It says true vine. Uh-huh. What is not a true vine? A fake vine. What's well, a fake <laughs> vine? The world. Well, that's right. So. Well, who is, well, great question. So my question is going to be, who is the vine Jesus is talking about? So, we just, read that right there. I am. He answers, he answers your question right there as he talks. I am. Stephen. What? Yahweh. Okay, so you guys hear that? Okay, I, so you ask, who's the true vine? Who is the vine? I ask it in the negative. What is not a true vine? Well, anything. There's only how many true? How many true vines are there? One. Okay. Are there branches? I'm getting mixed up between the the vine dresser and the vine. Okay. Are there branches? Good. This is exactly why we're doing this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says. Get back to the trilogy question. Yeah. On the grape. Plant. Are there branches that don't grow grapes? Well, we are going to we're going to answer that right here. No, yes. I mean in a in a real one. In a real, I, uh-huh. are there branches in, that actually um, the don't answer the answer is yes. Don't form. The answer is yes. I think that's and in fact takes three to five years to bear fruit good enough to make wine with, and oftentimes the vine dresser has to all, like it looks like you the, the 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 grapevine's been butchered yep. when they trim it back. Right. They really cut I think it they're trying to kill it. They cut it back right. so severely. So Put when I got this, okay, so I got this at um, Rogers Garden. When I got this, this thing was much bigger. It was it just had stuff all over. I mean, it had things. It took me a while to even get it away from a bunch of other ones. They're all like in a group. And I had to like... <laughs> I found the one for specific for this illustration. 
But there was a whole lot of branches on this that did not have any grapes. But you're going to see, if you guys look, there are branches that have them. So, but let me go back, so we're going to get to that. So let me go back to your, what you're asking, because I want to make sure I really, because you're asking a super important, a really important question. So, who is speaking here? I am. Jesus. Jesus is. And so Jesus is saying, I am, and we get to the whole I am in a minute, but, we, but I am the true vine. So he's saying he is the vine. Okay? So, okay, so I'm going to ask you guys this, where is the vine? It's the it's in, it's under everything that comes out. Can you? I want someone to point to me right now. The vine. Come on, Bruce. The brown. The brown uh, Can you go yeah, and just yeah, show yeah. it to me? This is this okay, What is the vine? The vine is the brown part of the stem. Okay. The, yeah. That's okay. The stalk. And then the branches are what comes off of that main trunk. Okay. But then it starts at the Notice roots. that there's only, so if I'm Jesus here, there's only, and this is it. So there's only one vine. Okay. He's saying, I am this vine. Are you following me so far? Okay. We're going to get to, he's going to describe this better in a few minutes <laughs> as to who are the branches, which we're going to, uh, most of you already know the answer to that. But he's saying, I am the vine. Right. Okay. The true vine, which means there's not other vines, there's only him, and he already has told us he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So 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 in that regard, we would consider uh, let's say Buddhism uh, a, a false vine. Well oh, a, a, Buddhism a, would tell you bluntly Buddhism would tell you there's no such thing as a vine. It's all illusion. It's all illusion it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all in Buddhism. There's no, there's no vine in Buddhism. Anything else is not. Right. Right. This is where Jesus is, if people ever say, like, is there multiple ways, okay, Jesus is saying, no, I am the way. He's in essence saying again, I'm the way, I am the vine. He's distinguishing himself, going back to what Daniel asked earlier, he's distinguishing himself from the the Father. So you see the Trinity starting to work here, okay? I am the vine, Christ says. My Father is the vine dresser. Alright? So the dresser plants the vine and, and tends it. That's right. That's right. The vine dresser is what's responsible to make sure. <laughs> the other things we're going to talk about here, so what to do with this vine. I mean, what to do with this Okay, the vine dresser is responsible for to to do the other things we're going to talk about. Are you following? Yeah, no, I'm getting it now. Okay, I mean, the vine dresser keeps the vine alive. Yes, and well, the vine dresser keeps the vine alive and also makes sure that the vine does what? What's the function? What did you just say? What's the purpose of a vine? Fruit. Exactly. So the point of the vine, the point of all this, is to produce fruit. Okay, that's his function. All right. 
Everyone so good so far? Following? Yeah. All right. So I am the vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So that's exactly what the vine dresser does. He comes along and he finds something that's maybe not bearing fruit. Okay, and he looks at this whole thing here and he goes, this guy is not bearing fruit. All right, figures out where he wants to come back to it, and he will just take it in, take it away. All right? <laughs> because it's not bearing fruit. Got it? Yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what does he do? And it might, yeah. So, well, this one doesn't yeah, actually, yeah. I think, I hope it's yes, right. it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I do. Oh, try yeah. it. Try so much. See, I'm not gone. Reattach it. <laughs> Reattach it. <laughs> You're not the guy with the magic. Yeah. All right. Good thing God does that. All right. Um, and as Jim was saying, what's the whole point? You can see a whole lot of the fruit starting to develop here. So what the vine dresser is going to do is come along and cut off all the branches not producing the fruit, which is going to ensure that what? The nutrients that are coming from the vine that keeps it alive are going to go to produce the fruit. It's glorious to see a whole vineyard having been (coughs) severely cut back in January. They just... Oh yeah, they take it all back. They take it all the way back. All the red canes. Okay, so... You, you notice what he does? Yeah. Can you use that as a metaphor going back to Romans 5, I think, that uh, we should also celebrate our trials and tribulations because it produces endurance right. it, and it perfects us. That's, That's what it prune? says here. Pur- yeah. Purges it so yeah. that it will produce so, more. So our trials and tribulations are, are fruitless branches being no, no, our vine, no, no. Uh, they're they're, they're being pruned back so yeah. so that so that they can be more productive. Yeah, okay. right. So you think of that. You're because we're going to find out. Measure, right? We're the branches, so we're a branch, and we're producing some fruit. Mm-hmm. But we also have these. It, we're going to all these other places too. We're not right. producing fruit. So what he's going to do is cut that back mm-hmm. to ensure that we <clears throat> produce that fruit. That cutting back. I guess is what I think Tom was saying is those are the trials and tribulations of life. Right. It's like, oh, that hurts. Mm-hmm. But if we just let it go, it's going to be sucking all the stuff out and we're not going to be able to get the full nutrients from the vine. And so we're not going to produce that fruit. No, no, hang on. In verse two, mm-hmm. two things are going on. Yeah. The vine dresser does. They're, they're not very, ones that don't bear fruit, he takes it away. You can say cuts it off. Mm-hmm. And every branch that does bear fruit, he purges it. So he right. does something to the good branches, too. Yes. He prunes them. Right. He Cleans purges them. them. So what does purge mean? Well, it's, it means prune. Which it means clean. Clean. And actually, yes, I very could. good. Who just said that? Yeah. So actually the word purge is actually a word that really means clean. That he's making sure that branch is healthy and he's going to either cut it back 
Sometimes what the word means um, in whatever the, it's called, but grape stuff, pork, it's, is the, vi- the branch bearing fruit will actually also come into the ground and lay on the ground in the dirt. And it's not going to bear there. And so part of the cleaning is that they would take that and bring it back up and clean it off to make sure that it's going to produce fruit. That's part of the pruning process is making sure all the branches that have fruit are going to produce produce that fruit and produce it well. So prune or purge, uh, I mean, that could be like a surgical thing. Well, it, like I just did. Yeah. But, I mean, if it's in a person's <laughs> life and it's yeah. surgical, that... Right. That has its own thing going on. I it's mean, sort of it, like Paul's metaphor of the, um, let's call it the um, potter and the clay. Yeah. Um, over, over the last eight months, I've made it clear that I was going through a really tough time. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was a pruning, and mm-hmm. a very important pruning. And I recognize that, finally. But it's the only thing that got me to the place where I would sit before Christ and sit in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because that's the only place I could go where there was no distraction, no mind going nuts. And so the pruning is, is just, you know, it hurts. It really hurts. Right. But it is so important. And, and it's I so important that we listen and we cooperate. And I think you just described it 30 minutes ago where you were talking about how you're experiencing that more. And that's exactly, I right. wouldn't have gone, been right. able to do that. Unless you got pruned. With, with, without being pruned right. and being, having to try and find a safe place, which is right before the Holy Spirit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought right. pruning would have been on waivers. Uh, well, the prune, that's what's important here. The pruning is not non-believers in this illustration. Okay. The pruning are people who are not producing fruit. I'm sorry. The cutting away of the branches are branches that are dead. Or, okay. Or, or branches that are not producing fruit. The pruning, this was important here. The pruning is for those branches that are producing fruit so they will produce more fruit. Uh, what call pruning cutting dead stickers? You what? I would have said pruning would have been applicable to um, non-producing vines. Yep. Well, but here it's it's using a the whole point is to produce the fruit. Okay. Okay. Pruning is just okay. Yeah. So pruning here is a positive thing. <laughs> it just hurts, <laughs> as everyone says. So you're not you're not talking about you said use the word people though. You're not talking about cutting away people. You're talking about cutting away parts. Like, yeah. Like well, character, say, and, you know, and one thing I have to be careful of, and so I don't want to get too involved in this, is people will try to take this metaphor and try to discru- try to get into, well, do you lose your salvation or do you not? Oh, no. This is not what Jesus is talking about here. Okay, he's trying to get across. We'll keep reading. Trying to get across points. It's a good point you're making. Okay. You so no. notice that it says, and I'm gonna go past it. it says already mm-hmm. you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. All right, I'm just going to skip that for a second because we're going to get to that in a second. And now notice what it says. So here's when, when, so here we are. And Jesus gives the command. This is a command, okay, to every one of us. Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot be by itself. 
This is a great illustration of why I did this. What do you think is going to happen to that fruit? Bye-bye. Yeah. There's no fruit in your life if you are not abiding in Christ. If you're not in that relationship with Him, you can... You, you can do everything you can to try to say, I'm going to, what's going on with my life? And it's like, it's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Because the only way you have life is in the vine. Jesus has been saying that throughout John. Life is only found in me. All right. And so, when we think that we can just do this without being connected to the vine... Everyone knows what will happen if I keep this here. In fact, maybe I should just keep it here until next week. <laughs> you can see, you can see what it looks like. So you guys notice here, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then he says, and this is where we come in, I am the vine and you are the branches. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. He doesn't say, you're the vine, and I'm the branch. (laughs) He's very, it's like the difference between the created and the creator. (laughs) All right? Goes back to your question, Bruce. Jesus is the vine. Now, Glenn did something which is interesting, because I want you guys to look at this for a minute. I am the vine, you are the branches. I want you guys to look closely at this. So I think everyone would agree, if I'm down at the bottom here, this is the vine. Mm-hmm. Okay? But as you come up, and it's depending on which one you grab of these, can you see, like, okay, well, Glenn said, well, this, you're saying the vine continues here. Are you? Yeah. So now what happens here? Branches off. Which is the branch? Which is the branch? <laughs> so my point is, when you look at this metaphor, things get very hard to distinguish between what is the vine as we move up to where are the branches and where is the vine. Because we're in him and he's in us. That's right. That abiding is so close and so connected <laughs> That you, it gets to be very hard to distinguish the vine. And if you think about it, wherever the vine is down here, it is what's giving nutrient to any branch that comes off of it. So there is, you cannot, you cannot separate the vine from the branches. And the nutrients is the word. Right. It's life. Nutrient is life. I mean, that's what he's doing is giving life. So if you look and think of our lives, wherever you are, I mean, every one of us is on here, okay, somewhere, okay. I mean, in, in all those cases, it's saying, if you're going to produce that fruit, you have to stay abiding in Okay, and so he goes on and he says, and here's a famous verse, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nada, nothing. So we might think that we're producing fruit, and we might think that we're this and that, and being good Christians and all that type of stuff, but if we're not abiding in Christ, we 
can do absolutely nothing. But you can be off. Life. Two unpopular words today is obedience and discipline. Uh huh. Right. I don't think you can abide without obedience and discipline. Can't. No, you can't. In fact, he's going to tell us that. Obey my commandments. (laughs) Right. We're going to see him that. No, you're right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because that's our part. Right. And why do we? Why are we obedient to Christ? Because Mm -hmm. He is the vine. We gotta know our place. <laughs> We're the branches. Alright? So, now my question, okay, then comes a really hard one. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. Now we're talking about the relationship with Christ. Okay? If someone does not have a relationship with Christ, what should we be doing? We want to do everything we can to bring them into that relationship with Christ because life is in Him. Period. Life is in Him. Can you say that they're growing on a different, on a weed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they're they're on a different vine. Yeah. No. Well, they're not a different they're vine. Dead. They're not on a vine. They're dead. No, yeah. it's a, that's why I call it a weed. Yeah. It goes back <laughs> to it goes back to what Bruce said. I mean, there is one vine. There is no other vine. There is one vine. Yeah. So now comes the key question because we know how important it is to abide. So my question to you is how do you stay abiding in Christ? How do you do that? By the word. Very good. Very, very good. That's hard. Because the very first thing, and people miss this, the very first thing John does to tell us how we abide in him, he says in the next verse. Excellent, Jim. He says, If you abide in me, and my words... Abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, which is obviously prayer, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that then that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So you notice all that. What happens when we abide in the vine and we produce the fruit? The Father is glorified and we show the world and other Christians that we are his disciples. Because we are producing that fruit. It's kind of like the fertilizer for the vine. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Fertilizer for the soul. Right. Verse 7, it it helps me with verse 7, if you put in one word, add one word, and that is the word let. So if you abide in me and let my words abide in you, because... Otherwise, it's just kind of passive. And my words yeah. abide in you. It's yeah. like, oh well, will they float in? Yeah, right. That's uh, a good. That's a good way. No, that, that's a good talk. Yeah, uh, I like that. Well, another, and it, which means it also has to be intentional. Yeah, that's. I good. mean, that's again. I mean, you guys, we say this all the time, but why are we here on Tuesday night? Mm-hmm. Why did Jim come tonight? I think he told us he came because he's looking for a place that he can. Abide. Yeah, abide. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. Why are we all here so we can abide? Remember how I opened up saying, 
the way we Christ is present to us and we relate with him is through his spirit and his words. Yeah, both together. But you yeah. you had said by his word mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. But and, and I was going to add to that and what you said, his spirit. Mm-hmm. That's right. how we can remain there. Right. Right. You know, I had a um, one one of the guys that I worked for. I've been in landscape and gardening forever, and uh, I, we couldn't tell by your hands. I know. <laughs> I, uh, um, one of the guys that I worked for was a uh, uh, was a sheriff sergeant retired. He was a uh, pastor for the sheriff's department, mm-hmm. and. I just kind of dropped there, but, but uh, something, oh, he told me one day, I used to go to jail ministry years ago, I would go with him out to the farm, he handed me a pocket Bible, and it was probably in the 80s, and for some reason, I always have a pocket Bible on me, I don't, it's not on my computer, but it was, you know, this is your Gideon pocket Bible. I even have flowers in it and clovers that I, I you know, relate to on uh-huh. the word, you know. And right now I'm in a really, I feel like I'm just totally spiritual warfare time for me, where I'm staying. And uh, I've had to talk to the uh, police department about a guy that's been getting in my face. And I, I almost feel he's possessed. And he's just kind of latched on in my area, but... Uh, he's gone now, but I don't know if he's coming back, you know, and, and, uh, but every, every day I have to, uh, grab this sometime, and my favorite thing is the Psalms, I feel yeah. like I'm a David Christian, a grace-driven Christian, I'm not a legalist, and, uh, <clears throat> if I don't, I can almost feel the enemy, coming at me, and I'm not abiding, I'm not abiding, and, and like you were saying, it's a discipline, and a, you know, it, it is for me, I, I can't, there's so many distractions we're all going through, and the problems, it just wants to suck us away from it, but you just have to zero, you know, like, pointing a gun and going, okay, there's a bullseye, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make it today. Uh, I remember Chuck Smith, um, I went to Calvary when I first started, and one day he was doing an illustration of a bow and arrow, and he says, every day I get up and I try to shoot to get the target, and a lot of times the arrow goes, you know, or else it goes, or else it goes, you know, he doesn't, but then there's times when I hit it right, and, you know, I'm not always perfect doing this, but it's... For some reason, I can't let go of this thing since that, you know, the, the sheriff said, Rod, keep it on you. Yeah. yeah. You keep it on you. Yeah. It's kind of like my armor sometimes. Right. I, and when I'm in this type of warfare and I've been in different types of situations, it's like I'm really drawn to it because I feel like it's more powerful then Satan can throw out at us. Mm-hmm. His word mm-hmm. is our shield. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
We're, we're shield us, so whatever we're going through, whatever we're going to be going through, because I, I sense that we're going to be going through a whole lot worse than what we're going through. Yeah, time. We're in the last yeah. days. I feel that. I might be wrong, but I, you know, that's me. Well, we are in the last days. Yeah. We are in the last days. We're in the last days for 2,000 years, but we're in the last days. But it feels like, uh, I, I'm, I've been in a lot of spiritual warfare. It's wearing me out almost. How about, see, could we pray for you right now? Sure. Can we take it? Yeah. You, you know, I, I've been in the ER three times in the last month for these hamstrings. And the way I blew them out is I've, I've done a lot of backpacking and hiking over the years. I've done a lot of physical work, uh, pruning, digging, you know, the whole deal. And I worked for the city of Laguna once upon a time, Parks Department. I took care of Heiser Park for about a year and a half. And uh, blew out of here because I didn't get a package deal from them. And um, uh, but I, I I came here a month ago. I, I have a car; it's parked on mountain. But I decided to do the trolleys and the buses and walk. And I started pushing myself from one end of Laguna just because I dig walking. And uh, but I blew out. You know, I I just overdid. I'm 70 going on 71. You know, and I thought, well, I'm, you know, I, I, I was feeling like I was 35 and I can do this. And, and this is what I end up with. I can hardly, it took me 20 minutes to walk up the street. <laughs> you know, and I hobbled and wobbled. And, but I'm having one of those days, you know. Um, the third time I was in the ER, he shot me with morphine. And so they got me, and, and I got, the painkiller isn't working tonight. But I have those days where it does and it doesn't, you know. And, uh, anyway. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord <clears throat> and Savior, who is right here with us in the Holy Spirit, who has guided this meeting, we request the angelic host, we request your radiance, dear Christ, over the, is it Rod? Mm-hmm. Over Rod. That you would fill him. That you would cleanse out and purify him. You would hold him. And that you would set yourself around him as his armor. That as he is in a battle and he is recognizing it, that in the name of Jesus Christ we challenge the conditions in, around, and through him. By the authority of Jesus Christ, we challenge the conditions all around him. We ask Satan would be bound. We ask the Holy Spirit to penetrate through any resistance that Rod might have. And any places where he may inadvertently or even on purpose misstep, as we all do. And we request, Father, your blessing, your, your healing, your help, your holiness to be with him in Jesus' name. Praise be to Christ who is standing over you and giving you his blessing. Amen. 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 <laughs> One more to you real quick. Uh-huh. Get through? Uh-huh. Yeah, just, just about ready. Yeah, right. just um, I'm talking to the police department. I 
made contact. We made contact yesterday, and they were going, "Why didn't you talk? To, you know, come to us before." And I've been trusting the Lord. You know, I've been going, "Put your angels around me, protect me." And I know He has, but all of a sudden, I'm, I'm feeling more of a. And all of a sudden, I was walking down the street, and there was a police officer, and we made contact. We went over here and sat down and talked. He said, "Here's my card. Start calling." Them. I don't know where that's going. Nothing I want to get involved in. Which, which police officer was it? Uh, Hernandez. Uh, I was card. Spanish name. Big, big dude? Yeah. yeah. Good guy. Colin. Yeah, and he, uh, I know a sheriff. He's community sheriff officer. He's a Christian guy over at uh, Mission Viejo. They have a thing called Keep the Peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I won't go on it. All right, so just start closing off. Um, so as it continues down your notes, it says, um, By this my Father to glorify, fly, did you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And I love how it says here, and this goes back to even what Bill Tom said about the commandment, and Eric said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Well, what are the commandments? Abide in me. <laughs> See, sort of circular. How do we abide in him? By staying in his word, that we learn his commandments, and we do them, and we abide in him. So you just see this sort of circular that goes around and around. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abided in his love. And then I love what Jesus says, which is sort of like out of nowhere. But he says, what's going to happen when you do that? These things I have spoken to you, that your joy that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is what happens when you abide in him, is that joy that's not from the world, but the joy that comes from him. And you see people and guys and gals who are going through really, really tough times, but you see them abiding in Christ, and you see the joy in them. Good example right here. Uh Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about... um, Kathy mm-hmm. and John mm-hmm. and and uh, the things that they've had to face and uh, and, and uh, the joy that seems to be in yeah they're very yep there are two good examples of that yeah Eric were you going to say something yeah um, apart from me you can do nothing right uh, it occurs to me that as we produce fruit it could be about us. And so the abiding really points to humility. Yeah, very good. good Because, see, as we produce fruit, the draw is back into the world, look at me, I'm producing all this fruit. But humility brings us back to the vine. Very good, very good point. I see that a lot in our Christian faith, is how, and I see it myself, how easy it is once you start bearing that fruit. That the Spirit is really done through you and your obedience, you start going, huh, I'm like, you know, look at me. That's the importance and, of humility <laughs> in the walk. But, it is. But what's, is. what's so fascinating about this, what, what this little passage here, is that he says what bearing fruit is. Mm-hmm. 
See, we want to take it and go, oh, bearing fruit is... And what is bearing fruit? X, Y, C. Making new disciples. Blah, 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 blah. Okay? What he says very clearly here, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So it goes back again. You must be with me. And that in and of itself is the bearing of fruit. And you can only have that relationship through humility. Yeah. And one of the ways, that, I mean, it goes back to the humility. So one of the ways you, which is sort of the irony, not irony, maybe. How do you know you're bearing that fruit? And how do you know you're connected to the vine? And how do you know you're abiding? He says it right here. The Father is glorified. Amen. If people look at your life and they see that the Father is being glorified, not you, as you point out, but the Father is being glorified, Christ is being glorified, that's how you know you're bearing that fruit. That's how you know you're part of that body. I mean, he, I mean, really this entire thing here, this is, this is Christian discipleship. I don't this see it as humility, I see it as love and devotion. But, it's. I think they're all wrapped up together. Supplication. It's all wrapped up. Right. Humility's a little, a little. Well, got a little bit of an edge to it. I think. I think it's love and devotion and just this outpouring of welcoming God and wanting to abide in God as well or be surrounded by God. Well, when you say the word love, mm-hmm. to me, I go it's inseparable from humility. Because love says that I'm. Putting myself down. It's here, a love relationship. And I'm putting other It's a romance. So he says, 100%. as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide. So, as I have loved you, uh, abide in my love. 100%. Yeah. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my I, love. 100%. Yeah. Right. Eric, is there any symbolism or metaphors with respect to harvesting your fruit? Um, not in this is an illustration. I mean, again, Jesus uses the Bible uses metaphors everywhere. You do have the, the when Jesus says, I think is that Matthew about the harvest. Uh, the harvest is ready. Um, there's also the good soil parable, which talks about a harvest. So in the good soil parable, Matthew 13, he says, here's all these different soils that the seed of the word falls into. Three of them, nothing happens, no fruit. The fourth one is the one where the harvest takes place, where it says that I will produce fruit 160 and 30 times what was sown. Um, so that there's sort of the idea again of there's a harvest to that. But and here he's really guidance. trying to get across the idea that, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches, your focus is, is bearing fruit. The, the, but, that only but, the, happens but the relationship is the fruit. Right. Yeah, his That's love, right. guidance, and protection yeah. is the fruit. Good point, yeah. good point. 100%. Good point. In some ways, some would say we don't shouldn't be focusing so much on the fruit. Fruit, focus on abiding in Christ. Correct. And if you are, you will. You will, he will produce that. Fruit. And, Whatever and, he wants and, for you. And if you're not, you're dead. It can't right. do anything. That's what's right. so gnarly about this. Yeah. It sounds all love you, yeah. but and by, oh, by the way, if you don't, you're dead. Yeah. It's just yeah. so hard line. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that's what metaphors for. They're trying to create extremes to get across the point. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, what are you going to do with this song? <laughs> are you going to plant? Um, actually, right, yeah, um, the Kelsos are going to take it when they get back from um, the Camino. 
So they took my last one that I used, I think, for a sermon a couple of years ago. They took it, so she's, unless someone else wants it, um, they're going to... I thought you were going to use this in a sermon while Jeff's gone. Are these wine girls? Well, I probably won't. Um, I'm doing my sermon, but I'm actually going to, actually I'm doing my sermon on part of what we're talking about tonight, but not so much the vibe, but hopefully on, on yeah. the spirit of John. John 15, 26 and 27 is what I'm starting to work on, so... You know, the monks used to make wine. You might need to take Jeff's front yard and turn that into a little vineyard. All right. I mean, yeah. have you seen the roses she has? No. They are astonishing. <laughs> All right. Anybody else have any other comments before we close? Do you think I answered your question? Okay. All right. It was a good question. All you guys, a good, good, good question. Um, Ron, come back and give us an update. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, give us an update. Um, prayer, a couple things. Ken, for Ken, he is speaking at his mother's memorial service this Saturday. Him and Grace are going to be, I know they're going to be singing some songs, but um, Ken is going to actually speak the Word of God. Speak John 14, mm-hmm. John 16, 33, about peace, and, um, and Revelation 21 which is our ultimate hope. So just keep him in prayer that the Spirit works through him. And may I say, Ken, there are other people that are going to be there in that. And, you know, as I was telling him, when you do a moral service, you're doing it not really for the person who died. You're doing it for the people who are there hearing you Mm -hmm. because it's a real opportunity for people to hear Christ. And he's going to be really, I think, proclaiming Christ in his sermon. Um, And did with his mom. Um, and reading her John 14 over and over again. And then pray for Steve, um, and along with everybody else, Steve and his wife Michelle, and then we have, I don't know, like 20 people that are going on this Camino trip, that they're all leaving later this week. Um, so, yes. We've got an issue my wife has to have back surgery, and she, the reason I she had her, it or she she's had going it. to have it. Okay. The reason I've been out is she's been in tremendous pain. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What's your wife's name? Pat. Pat. That's yeah. right, Pat. <laughs> yeah. So, do you know when she's having it? We uh, get the results of the MRI tomorrow. Something okay. about L4. L4. And that will help to determine when she. Yeah. Okay. What it's going to be in the room. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Holy Father, address all of these issues that have been just brought up here. We just give you each person here. And each need in Christ's name. And I do pray specifically for Rod, Lord, that you mm-hmm. will heal these hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Also fine. keep him safe. Um, we pray for Steve and Michelle and all those who are going on this Camino trip. That you will watch over them. Keep them safe and the, your spirit would just fall upon this group. Mm-hmm. Pray for Ken. Yes. Just his family and the extended family and everyone who's there, Lord. I pray anyone who does not know you will come to know you this Saturday at this memorial service. Just give the power of your spirit proclaiming your word through Ken. Um, And we pray for Pat, Lord. We pray that um, through this MRI, Lord, that you will lead the medical professionals to know what they need to do and this operation, and we pray, Lord, that even right now, as we 
are leaving from here, that that pain that she has, you would just take away that pain. Yes, Father. So just and be with us. Greg as well, Lord, who's going to carry the torch of the church in the absence of Jeff. And yes. So just give him a sense of peace and direction and the words that we need to hear. Yes. Jesus name. Yeah, thank you for the great. Yeah, go, yeah I'm going to let, I'm gonna let um, Tom close. Uh, so this is uh, from at the end of Galatians. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.